Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. person who walked in here with depression and anxiety and Lord that needs a physical touch Lord you're making it work together for your glory and our good and Lord that person that walked in here hunky-dory and everything's going great in their life you're making all things work together for your glory and our good we thank you father that you that you meet with us right where we're at right in the midst of everything Lord Jesus, Lord, your word tells us in 1 John chapter 3, even if our hearts condemn us, that you are greater than our hearts, Lord, that there are people that walked in here today that felt condemned, that they didn't feel like you, they can meet with you because of their heart. They're saying, oh man, God doesn't want anything to do with you. Lord, you said you're greater than our feelings, you're greater than our hearts. Because you do, you want a relationship with us, you love us, that you want to meet with us. Lord, so I bind the the condemnation. I bind the depression. In the name of Jesus, I bind the anxiety. I bind the lack in the name of Jesus. And I just release joy. I release peace. Lord, I release abundance. Lord, I pray, Father, that you will open our ears and open our hearts. That let us not just be hearers of the word today. Let us walk out of here transformed by the living word of God. And let us be doers of the word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will have your way in our hearts and our minds. Lord, if there are people that walked in here with a stony heart, Lord, do a heart, do a heart surgery on us that we walk out of here with a heart of flesh and blood, pliable, ready to be transformed by you and your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, I thank you. Amen. Man, in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy. You might feel like, man, there's no way, there's no way that God can turn this situation around. I would say to you that he has a long history of turning worse situations around. He makes all things work together for the good. There's not one exception to that. Not one exception. And, and, and I, I hear this all the time when people, um, I, I, talk, I talk to different pastors, different, different people, and and uh, sometimes they, they feel like they're the exception to the statistic. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, I, I, that, that won't work for me. I, like, we're the exception. Our church is the exception to the statistic, right? Well, that's, that's not the case. When the statistic is 100%, you're not the exception. God makes all things work together. All things. It's awesome to uh, see you guys this morning. We are continuing in a series called Christmas in July. We're looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And um, I'm going to tell you a four joke before we get into this. Um, just because I can. And dad jokes were getting old and Ford is easy to pick on. So 
Um, I, I, I actually really like Fords. I, I, I've been looking at Ford trucks quite a bit. And you could build them now. And um, I, didn't, I don't know if you know this. Randy, like, I don't know if you know this, but there's an option now on their website is you can get not only heated seats, but you can get a heated tailgate. So if you're having to push it in the middle of winter, your hands can stay warm. <laughs> oh, come on. So, uh, yeah, just definitely, definitely get that option because you're going to need it. It gets cold out there. <laughs> they even have an option for nice um, orthopedic shoes so you can walk to, a, walk to a gas station. Oh, come on. That's enough of that. Let's, let's get into the word. See, that's what happens when you give a former youth pastor a mic and say, oh, we're going to make him the lead pastor. I was like, that's why they brought Amy, too. It's like, no, yeah, yeah he, he definitely needs Amy. We're in the middle of this series um, called Christmas in July, and we're looking at the gifts of the Spirit. And the cool thing about gifts is they're free. God gives them freely. And um, I didn't say this last week, so I'm going to say it this week. Just because... You, you operate in the gift of the Spirit does not mean you are a Christian. You're like, what? No, the proof that you are a follower of Jesus is the fruit of the Spirit. That's the litmus test for your salvation. God gives the gifts, and he does not take back his gifts. I want you to understand that. He doesn't take them back. He's, he, he's not like that. He gives them freely to whom he wants to give gifts freely to. But this is not proof that you're a Christian if you're like, oh, I can speak in tongues. Well, that's a gift. Or, oh, I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. Well, that's a gift. Know what God does take back? His anointing. He takes back his anointing. He won't anoint you if you're living in sin. But he doesn't take back his gifts. Well, what do you mean, Ryan? Like, that, that, that seems counterintuitive that you're, you're telling me that someone that the Holy Spirit's gifted is, and, and, and is not living a Christian lifestyle can go out and lay hands on the sick and they recover. Well, I, I want to say this, a couple, a couple things, and I actually have scripture to back up what I'm saying, but the name of Jesus is, is powerful. And demons tremble at the name of Jesus, period. But also... The Spirit doesn't take back his gifts. In Matthew chapter 7, and you don't have this, but Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, this is the scariest scripture. I want you to hear this because I love you guys, but in my opinion, this is the scariest scripture in all of the Bible. And it's a sobering scripture that we need to keep in mind as we walk with the Lord. Jesus says this, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who breaks God's laws. Got quiet in here. The Bible tells us that we should seek the gifts of the Spirit. We should. They complement our walk with the Lord, and they're there to help one another. Remember, the gifts are there for us to edify the body of Christ. But first and foremost, always, number one, we seek the giver. We need to have an intimate, personal relationship with the giver of the gifts. Whether we ever operate in any of these, if you even throw the gifts of the Spirit up real quick, if we ever operate in any of these, that's irrelevant. Yeah, is that the right word? Um, irrelevant. 
from Arkansas. I don't feel like that's the right word. Irrelevant. Thank you. Gosh. Um, we need to have a relationship with the giver. We have got to walk in intimacy with Jesus. I don't want any one of us to ever hear the phrase, I never knew you. He's our friend. He's our Lord. And I would hate for us to go through life doing things to grow the kingdom and never know the king. Whether you ever operate in any of these gifts of the Spirit, Jesus is the gift that we need to seek. And I find that as we seek him, we operate in those. As we walk with him intimately, these overflow out of our life because as we walk with Jesus intimately, we want to be used by God. We, we want to do what he tells us to do. We want to walk in obedience to him. So we're going to jump in to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 4 through 9. The, the proof that you're a Christian is not the gifts. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a litmus test. If you're not producing fruit, there is no root. But here, the Holy Spirit wants to give us gifts. And he wants, to, he wants us to, to, to operate in them, to help one another, to encourage one another. And we're going to look at the, top, uh, the, the first three today. Wisdom, knowledge, and faith. And so we're going to jump right into the scripture there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Like if you think for one moment that the Lord has given gifted you the ability to lay hands on the sick and they recover, to boost your ego, you are 100% wrong and you'll probably never be used by him. It's not a mark of maturity in your faith. It's not a mark of, oh man, he must be super close to Jesus. It's not a mark. No, the Bible says that he gives indiscriminately. It's, it's, it's not a mark of anything. It's just the fact that we have a relationship with Jesus. All of us are qualified to be used by the Holy Spirit if you walk with Jesus. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another person, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And then the rest of that verse, that's why there's a dot, dot, dot. He talks about healing, but we're going to get into healing next week. So I just want to take and break down these top three and what it looks like and, and how it works in our life. How does it work in our life? What, it do, what does it look like in Scripture? Because every one of these gifts, there's actually uh, there's Scripture to see it in action. And I imagine that with the, the number of saints that are in this room, each of us can actually recall different times in our life when the Lord has used you in this capacity. And so, well, we're going to start with wisdom, the gift of wisdom. There are some verses that I'm going to, I'm going to throw at you out of Proverbs and Psalms, but I'm going to give you the foundation of wisdom, what it looks like and how the Holy Spirit implements that in our life. So Proverbs chapter one, verse seven says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Some translations say wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Psalm 111.10. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. Whenever the Bible starts to repeat itself, we got to pay attention. And when it starts to repeat itself with specifically the same exact phrase, we need to definitely pay attention. 
All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Do you see the pattern here? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So we got to talk about fear for a second. Because he's not talking about, I'm afraid. I'm afraid something's going to happen. I'm, I'm worried. Um, I just watched a horror movie. Now I think there's something under my bed type of fear. That is not the fear that he's talking about. There is, we, we do deal with fear. There is a legitimate fear out there, and, it's, and the Bible talks about it. Um, Paul writes to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he tells him, God does not give you the spirit of fear. If, if you are afraid, like you're, you're afraid, God, how, how are we going to make it? I'm, God, I, I don't know. Like, or um, like fear leads to worry and worry leads to the dark side. No, that's not right. Um, that's Star Wars. No, I'm, some of you guys will get that. Like, what's Star Wars? Once again, I was a youth pastor. No, but fear leads to worry. And when you worry, you're not trusting God. And the Bible says, God does not give us the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So when we start to lean into fear, which fear will, you know, here's a litmus test if you're listening to fear. Fear instantly runs to worst case scenario. Like, there is, no, there is no middle ground. For instance, Friday night, I woke up in the middle of the night because I heard a coyote behind our tent. And Amy tells me it was an owl. I swear it was a coyote. And I'm, I'm listening, and I'm just, I'm going to say, I, I'm a huge advocate of guns. And I normally carry a gun anytime I go camping, hiking, whatever, I, and and, and I don't, I'm not a huge advocate. Let's just carry a gun to carry a gun. No, no, you need to be trained. You need to go through prop. You need to use your gun. You need to know how to handle it. I understand that. I'm not advocating, like, just go out there gung-ho. Um, but I, didn't, I, I forgot. I forgot my, my, my sidearm. I, I, whenever my family's with me in an area that I'm not, I, I want, I want my, my job as a dad and as a husband is to protect my family. And so I'm like, okay, if something goes down, like, what if this is a coyote? Is, did this guy and the kids bring food into the tent? Because FYI, the tent is really not a structure to protect you from stuff. It might keep you dry, but that's it. So, like, worst case scenario, I'm like, dude, there's going to be a coyote ripping through. I'm like, okay, number one, I'm listening to fear. I bind this in the name of Jesus. Like, I was awake for an hour in the middle of the night. Stuff like, I used to backpack all the time and just sleep in the middle of the woods, not even having any care in the world. And suddenly my kids are with me and I'm like, I have my ax here. It's about to go down. I'm going to kill me a coyote. And fear goes to worst case scenario. It has no reason. And God doesn't work like that. God doesn't give us. And when we do that, we're actually listening to a demonic spirit. So when the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, he's not talking about listening to a demonic spirit. There is a demonic spirit out there that wants to control your thinking, that wants to make you anxious, that wants to, to rob you of peace, that wants to make you worry, that wants to, uh, to control how you react to the world around you instead of going to the word of God first and walking in the biblical wisdom. There is a demonic spirit that wants to attack you. And he's attacking all of us. Oh, what, what if I go outside and I get COVID? Okay. Do you, is God not Jehovah Rapha too? Is he not our healer? I'm like, at the end of the day, are, are we gonna what, who are we going to trust in? Us or God? Who are we going to believe? The word of God or our emotions? So God, God, this fear is not that fear. It runs to worst case scenario every single time. There is no progression with the spirit of fear. It instantly goes there. And you know what I'm talking about. Like you go to the doctor, like, hey, we'll have the test results. And, and all of a sudden, like in that intermediate time, instead of taking it to the word of God, like, Lord, whatever the test is, Lord, I trust you that you're my healer. Instead, you, you, 
you know, our minds often go to, oh, what if it's this? And like you start Googling, like WebMD is not your friend. Maybe for a bug bite, but for any other prognosis, the internet's not your friend. Um, the fear of the Lord that he's talking about is a holy reverence. A holy reverence to understand that he is God and I am not. And I think C.S. Lewis, one of the greatest theological minds of the last century, captures what a holy reverence before God is like in a book. Not, and you're going to be surprised by the book. It's not going to be any of his like big um, theological work. It's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Have you guys ever heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. There is this moment in the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Aslan, Aslan represents Jesus in Narnia. And he steps in to Edmund's place to be sacrificed. Edmund is the son of Adam. He, he gets transported to Narnia through a wardrobe. He sins. He chooses the wrong thing. And he... By the law of Narnia, he should be killed. Sound familiar? And Aslan, the creator of Narnia, who's spoken into existence, literally in the, in the last battle, the last book of um, Aslan, actually straight says that to, to, the, to the, the children, he straight tells them, he says, I'm known by a different name in your world, and you need to discover me there. He, he's saying, like, hey, I am Jesus. And Aslan sacrifices himself for the sin of Edmund. And so, and he's the atonement. So Edmund gets to go free. And Aslan never sinned. He's the creator. He's God in Narnia. And he gets killed. The altar breaks. All this. And Lucy and Susan, Edmund's sisters, see the whole thing, and they're just distraught. They're so tore up. They run up to Aslan's dead body, and it's just mangled. It's, Aslan is a great, huge lion. And ironically, the Bible describes Jesus as a lion of the tribe of Judah. And suddenly, morning comes, and Lucy and Susan, they understand, like, hey, we have got to try to go get help. Our brothers are going into battle against the white witch. This is a kid's book. Like, you're like, where is he going with this? And they turn their back, and all of a sudden, Aslan's body's gone. The altar cracks, and he's standing there before him. And he's resurrected, and he's bigger, and he's stronger than he was before, and he roars. And when he roars, he actually levels the ground and knocks over all the trees between him and the witch's castle. He makes it pass, because he has to go set all the captive free. The witch turned all these people to stone. He's going to go breathe on them, set them free. Sound familiar like Jesus went to the pit and set people free? Like it's almost like C.S. Lewis was a born-again Christian writing this for kids. It's crazy. And, because he was. And, but in the midst of all this, there is a battle going on. Aslan has to, he has something to do. He takes and he plays with Susan and Lucy. He plays with them. And he's frolicking around and rolling around with them, this giant lion and these little girls, and they're just playing. And Susan, the littlest, or Lucy, the littlest, is recounting this moment. And she says, when I was playing with Aslan, I felt like I was playing with a kitten and a thunderstorm. A kitten and a thunderstorm. And, and when, when I was thinking about what a holy reverence to God is, have you guys ever felt thunder? I know it's a sound, but you felt it? You know what I'm saying? Like a thunderclap happens and it shakes your house and you're like, whoa. Like I don't care what you're doing. If you're like, under an awning or having a conversation and you feel thunder, the thunder has your attention. You forget what you were saying. Like that conversation can't continue. 
Because suddenly you have this holy fear, so to speak, of this thunder. You suddenly like, maybe we should pay attention to this storm. I felt that thunder in my chest. That's, that's what it kind of means to fear God. That you understand who he is, and yet at the same time you understand he's so gentle. But at the same time, he's God. That we don't have to fear him like worst case scenario, but at the at the same time, we need to understand that he is God Almighty. And if you want to walk in the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives as a gift, it starts with understanding who God is. Because what does the wisdom do? What, what, is this, what is this wisdom, this gift of wisdom the Holy Spirit gives us? It's the ability to give godly advice, not worldly advice. If someone comes to you, for instance, we—I I, I know some people who, um, they're—I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Godly wisdom. that the Holy Spirit gives will always line up with the word of God. And it will not come into agreement with the world. If, if you come to me with marriage problems and you're saying, I, my marriage needs help, the world will say, well, just leave him high and dry or leave her. Oh, like they don't treat you, they don't respect you, they don't, you know, and that's, that's what the world would say. And they would say that's wisdom. That's, that's worldly wisdom. And, and too often in the church, we, we think worldly wisdom is actually true wisdom because it makes logical sense. Oh, oh, well, they don't respect you? Yeah, you should leave them. Oh, they don't give you any time? Oh, yeah, instead of working through it and bringing it to God and, 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 and going, well, just... Just divorce them. We throw divorce around like it's the answer. It's the end. And like there are biblical reasons for divorce, but like I, I know people who are walking and hurting through through the pain of divorce because one partner did not want to go to the Bible. Godly wisdom says. Godly wisdom says, let's work on it. Let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Let's work together over it. That's what godly wisdom does. So if, if someone comes to me, I'm going to go to the Bible. First and foremost, that's my ultimate source of wisdom. It's God's word. And then let's see what it says. Let's pray together. I know this, whenever Amy and I, there's tension between us, um, 90% of the time, it's because I'm annoying. I annoy the heck out of her. Because um, she's so cute when she's annoyed. She is so cute when she's annoyed. But when it's like legitimate tension, though, I know what we need to do is pray together. Pray together. It's a unifier. The Holy Spirit brings unity in those moments. He does. And, and, and if, if, you, if you're here and you've gone through the pain of that, I'm not, I'm not trying to single out anything, but I feel like so often we listen to worldly advice and we think it's godly advice, and that's not the case. Godly wisdom goes against the fabric of this world. Godly wisdom sometimes leads to hard work. And it's hard. God didn't say it's going to be easy. 
In fact, he actually promised the opposite. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus said to his disciples that they hated me, they're going to hate you. No, no student's greater than the teacher. And, and like, if we think that walking in obedience to God is going to be hunky-dory and, a, and, and, and a, a sky full of clouds and cotton candy, we're wrong. But God empowers us to walk it out. And it is quite humbling to come before Ames and say, Ames, I'm sorry. But I know that we need to pray together because I, I'm, I'm calling Satan for what he is. He's trying to sow dissension in our marriage. And, and sometimes I do have to go to other godly people and say, okay, what do I need? And I have godly friends all around me. They'll say, well, you need to just humble your butt and go apologize to your wife. My God, I don't want to hear that. But that's godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is not always what we want to hear. Worldly wisdom, what, is, what does it do? It, it seeks People to agree with you. That way you get reinforcements. So when you come back into the situation, like, well, this person, this person, this person, this person think I'm right. Right? Where godly wisdom says, humble yourself. And that's just one scenario, how godly wisdom works. But it's based on the word of God. And you need to have people in your life. You need to, and you need to be selected, but you need to find people in your life that are that are spirit-filled, that they, they love Jesus, and that they will tell you the truth based on the word of God. And they have a holy fear of God. That's what godly wisdom start Like, the, 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 the fear of the Lord is the beginning. So they have a holy reverence for God, and then the, that's the foundation for which the Holy Spirit can say, okay, out of that, I can allow this person to speak wisdom into other people. If someone's walking around saying, well, I got some wise advice for you, and they're just always interjecting into your life, that might not be the Holy Spirit either. <laughs> it's The Holy Spirit works in us a holy fear of God. So we have a right understanding of who we are and who he is, so that he can work into us wisdom. And it will never contradict the word of God. And it will always reinforce. When you hear godly wisdom, it's going to make you, when you implement it in your life, it's going to make you walk closer with Jesus. It will. Every single time. The second, the second gift that we're going to talk about real quick the gift of knowledge. The gift of knowledge. There are so many examples in Scripture for this. When, when the prophet Nathan went before David and he said, he gave him the story, and we just talked about it on Father's Day, but he gave him the story about how this rich man took a poor man's sheep and then slaughtered it and all this stuff. And and. David's like, oh man, far be it for me. That person's going to have justice. And Nathan says, that man was you. God gave him a word of knowledge. God told the prophet Nathan what David did to Bathsheba's husband. That he had an affair. That, that he got her pregnant. That he killed Uriah. Like God gave the prophet Nathan, a word of knowledge. Well, that was in the Old Testament, and Nathan was a prophet. What does it look like today? Go read John chapter 4, the beginning of it. Jesus talking to the woman at the well is a perfect example of a gift of knowledge. Jesus is talking to her. He, he walks up to the well. It says that he was famished and he was thirsty. He just asked for a drink. And in that moment, she says, why are you talking to me? A Jew, uh, a male Jew talking to a Samaritan woman. And, and I can't help but think, because I know how these moments work, that the Holy Spirit says, pursue this. And so he started talking to her. And, and most of the time, it, 
for me, it's a passing thought. I, I don't know what's going through Jesus' head, but you can see the progression. He starts telling her about the different things and saying, well, God is looking for worshipers who, are, who will worship him truly in spirit and in truth, not, not like worship in Jerusalem or on this mountain. Or, and he's just breaking down some things, and suddenly he says, well, go and get your husband. And, and, in the, and he, had a, he knew that she was not married. He knew because he had a gift of knowledge. And then he goes further. She's like, well, I'm not married. And he's like, you're right. You've been married five times. And the man you're with now is not your husband. And she was like, that's a gift of knowledge. That's a gift of knowledge. And I imagine in, in, in this moment, and there are people that have operated in this gift. Like the Lord has laid things on your heart that you should not know about someone. But when, and why does he do this? Why does the Holy Spirit give us this gift of knowledge? Every time, every time you see this gift at work, it always leads to repentance. Like God doesn't just give you a gift of knowledge for you to sit on the knowledge like, oh, wow, that's juicy. Who I can't wait to tell our prayer chain about that. No, it's, it's for it's so you can, it opens a door. Suddenly, what, what happened with the woman at the well? She said, come and hear this man who's told me everything I've ever done. Like, it, it led to her repentance. Man, like, when, when I walk downtown just to pray with people, there have been so many times the Lord has just laid things on my heart. And, um, <laughs> and every single time it led to, how did you know that? And every single time I get to say, because God loves you and he sees you. And he laid it on my heart so that you can know that God wants a relationship with you. And then they end up repenting. Man, at, at, at my mom's funeral, I, I gave a person I went to school with a side hug. And as soon as I gave him a side hug, this went through my head. She's struggling in her health and her nutrition. I'm like... Lord, my mom's body is four foot to my left. Right now, really? <laughs> That's, that was my attitude. I was, but I was like, what? That's so random. And like, that's how I, for me, it's a passing thought. It was a passing thought. This person's struggling with their, in their health, with their nutrition. I'm like, that's too random. If something random goes through my head, it's usually the Holy Spirit. It's just a passing thought. And I, I stopped and I said, Lord, in, in my head I'm praying, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? He said, not now, not yet. Six weeks go by. I'm, I'm, um, it's the height of COVID. Um, I'm praying and I'm grieving. And the Lord said, I want you to message your friend and tell her what I told you. And I did. I just messed, I said, you might find this crazy, but I said, this is what the Lord told me at my mom's visitation when you gave me that side hug. And I just want you to know, I've been praying for your health and your nutrition for six weeks. And she said, I just, and she messaged me like an hour later. She said, I just got out of the doctor. I've been, I've been having allergic reactions to different types of food and I can't gain weight. And they're worried. And I was like, Holy Spirit's never wrong. It blows my mind. But then um, she's like, that's, that's so crazy. And I, I, got to, I got to pray with her, and I got to say, God loves you. And out of that conversation, like, as I'm praying with her, Amy and I were driving to uh, Mule Town Coffee to get coffee with the family. And um, to, so my, my, at the time, three-year-old son can get his caffeine fix. And... The Lord told me to tell her that she will be pregnant by Christmas and that in 2021 she will have a healthy son. I'm like, now it just went from a word of knowledge to a word of prophecy, Lord. You're really stretching my legs here. I'm like, and I asked myself this question, what do I have to lose? And I told her. Oh, and she messaged me in January, I'm pregnant. And now she has a healthy, over one-year-old boy. And it's crazy. Because she had, in high school, she had ovarian cancer. 
And they said she would never be able to have babies. And God knows. But he gives us these words of knowledge to encourage one another. One another. It's so crazy. For me, it's never been an audible voice. It's never been like, you need to do this. And if you're waiting for a perfect moment, you'll never find it. But every moment that you're willing to be used by God is the perfect moment. If you're willing, that's the perfect moment. If you're, if you're ready to step, that's the perfect moment. Just go for it. If you're waiting for the stars to align and God to use you powerfully, it's not going to happen. What, what normally happens is, is, quite frankly, inconvenient. It's inconvenient. Every, like, go read the Gospels. Every time Jesus healed somebody, he was teaching and they rip open the roof or he's trying to go to somewhere else and they yell, hey, Jesus, son of David. Have, I mean, like, he's like, I'm trying to get out of this town. Like, it's, like, are you willing to be inconvenienced for the Lord? And if you are, then, man, you're going to probably operate in the gifts of the Spirit because it's not convenient. One time there was a lady that came here she was a salesperson. It was like six months in, and she she was trying to sell um, some printer. We were in a contract at the time, and, and 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 the Lord said, "This is not her sales route. You need to pray with her." I was like, "What?" I'm like, "Okay." I, and I asked her. I said, "Ma'am, this is not your normal sales route, is it?" I said, "What's going on?" And when I said that, the Lord said. She's been thinking about suicide. I'm like, oh. And I said, ma'am, are you thinking about committing suicide? And she just started crying. Like crying. And she ended up right back here at Kids Check-In. Because she was looking at, like I was showing her the church. She ends up giving her heart to Jesus. And, but that's, that's, that's the point. That's the, the a word of knowledge. I, I don't know this person from Adam. And God wants to use us in this capacity to, to get people to walk with him, to encourage one another, to build each other up. And the last, the last gift, the gift is faith that we're going to talk about today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a, a portion out of the commentary of the Fire Bible. And I think it gives a really good idea of what the gift of faith is. Because so often... Faith, this gift is what activates the other gifts in our life. Like, they work together. It's not like I'm working in a gift of knowledge and then I'm working in... No, like, they, they work together in unison. So, the Fire Bible's commentary says this. This is not referring to saving faith, by which a person first accepts Christ and entrusts his or her life to him. Rather, it is a special, supernatural, or exceptional faith given by Holy Spirit that enables a Christian to believe God for extraordinary and miraculous things. It is a faith that moves mountains. It is often found in combination with other spiritual gifts and expressions such as healing and miracles. To put shortly, this is the gift that the Holy Spirit uses to empower other gifts. Without faith, the other gifts will not work. This is kind of the linchpin. This gift is like a muscle. The more you trust God through faith and step in faith when he says, the more he grows your faith. It doesn't necessarily get easier, but your faith does grow as you trust him. And how do you grow your faith? I would start, I, I, I would say that faith 
starts with one word. Believe God. Believe. Faith starts with one word. Believe. Believe that God will come through in, in your small need. Believe God will come through in your huge need. Believe God that his word is true, that it's never failed. Believe what he says. Believe that he'll do it. Just believe God. But how do you activate your faith? How do you activate it? It's one thing to believe God. Know who else believes God? Satan. He also believes God. God's kept every word that he's given to Satan. <laughs> Never lie to him. Satan believes him. The difference is we have this ability to act. Jesus' little brother, James, wrote a book in the Bible called James. And he says, faith, if not accompanied by action, is dead. And that's this faith. The gift of faith. Your action activates this. As we believe God, God, I believe you. I believe that your word is true. I believe that you're going to come through. I think what we need to start praying is, Lord, what's the step that I need to take? What's the action step? It's not that it depends on us. It doesn't depend on us. But faith, we can believe that God is going to provide, but maybe God gave you an idea for a business and you're just sitting like, oh, God, just, just provide for my needs. And God's like, I gave you a great idea. I'm waiting for you to step on that idea. Or, God, I, God I, I, I'm, I'm believing that you're going to heal my body. And God's saying, and this is relevant because my wife's a health coach, God's saying, get you're eating under control. Like what? Like my father-in-law. He he got diagnosed with diabetes and he was praying, "Lord, I need you to heal me." And the Lord told him, "Get your um, nutrition under control and I'll heal you." And and he did. And his diabetes went away. It's like there was a step. There was a step. Uh, I, I had so many students come to me like, Pastor Ron, I'm so sick of pornography. I feel like it's controlling my life. I'm like, okay, I'm going to give you some really godly advice. Put some blocks on your phone and don't be alone with your phone. Okay. Charge your phone in the living room and let your parents put some stuff on it and talk to your parents about your struggles. Whenever a student came to me struggling with pornography, I would go with them to their dads, if they had a dad, a Christian dad that I knew that wouldn't react um, ungodly. And I would talk, I would be right there with the student as he confessed to his dad. And every single time I saw a dad hug his son and say, I'm here for you. Let's walk this out. You can talk to me about all of this. And it was beautiful, but there was a step. There was just a, a simple step. Some of us are waiting on God to do something, and God's saying, I told you what to do. Take the step. And then it boils back to, what, what, should, what, what, what should I do, God? And like, well, I told you what to do. Well, I don't like that. Well, God, God won't give you new instruction until you fulfill the last instruction. I know that's really frustrating, but if God tells you to do something, just do it, and he'll bless you. 
I'm going to share a story real quick of what, like a practical story of faith. And, and it was a step of faith for me last year. Um, it, it, last year in January, I was praying, and, and I always asked the Lord in January, like, Lord, how do you want me to increase missions? How do you, like, how do you want us to, to give this year? Like, is this something that Amy and I do? We pray separately, and then we come together and say, okay, what did the Lord lay on your heart? And we normally, almost every time, we go with the higher amount or whatever. Um, and that's just what we do. And we pray, Lord, how do you, what do you want us to do this year? And last year, I felt like the Lord told me to give away my Camry, my, my Toyota Camry. It wasn't like a, it wasn't a Mercedes. It wasn't new by any means. It was a 2003 and it ran though, man, like that thing just ran. Like I would trip the tires all the time on it. And, um, I'm like, okay, Lord, like that would knock us down to a one car family. And like, I don't know if you guys have ever had kids with schedules, but when you have a one car family, it changes the whole dynamic, and I gotta say, um, moms who have done this or dads that have done this as a one car, dude, you guys are heroes. Um, because we had, I, I don't know, it's just, I, I, and then I talked to Amy about it. I was like, Ames, I feel like God wants me to give my car away, and she's like, Well, are you sure that was God? <laughs> like. like that's a fair question. It's not like I heard an audible voice. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, Ryan, give your car away. No, it, it, it wasn't like that. It was just like, like I just, I just feel like I need to give my car away this year. It was just a weird feeling. Like I'm not gonna, like I'm, I'm gonna start the car. You're owning it. I'm not gonna own it by the end of the year, type of thing. I'm not gonna sell it. Give it away. And so I'm like, okay, well, Amy's like, fine. But she's like, you know, if we go down to a one-car family and something happens to our other car, we're out of vehicle. I'm like, Ames, that won't happen. That completely happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> it completely happened. So um, <laughs> we were, we went through life groups and everything, and it would come to the end of the school year, May 2021, and a, and, and a prayer need came up in our life group, and um, they said, hey, be praying for Lizzie. Um, someone ran a red light and sideswiped her, and her, her grandma just gave her um, a car. It was her first car. They totaled it, and she was safe, praise God. But as soon as he said that, the Lord said, she needs your car. I said, okay. And I didn't say anything. I walked outside, and... I knew that like this was that moment, and um, the Lord laid it on my heart. Like she, like he, she already laid it on my heart, but like this, he's like, "This is the time. It's now." And I walked back in, and Amy looked at. We we locked eyes. You know that look. She's like, "I know what you're thinking, Ryan." And I'm like, "She's like, if we go down to a one car family, and our car goes out, we won't have a car." I'm like, "Ames, that will never happen. It completely happened. It it did." And um, I said, I, I tell you what, Ames, I want you to pray about it. And whatever the Lord tells you lays on your heart, that's what we'll do. Because first and foremost, I'm not going to do something out of agreement with my wife. Like, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. Number one, he gives us wisdom. And I'm not going to work out of agreement with my wife. So... Um, she prayed for three days. She fasted and prayed for three days. And she called me on Wednesday and she said, Ryan, um, if you want to give your car away, give it away. And I said, okay. And we did. And four months later, our terrain was in the shop for like a month straight because the timing chain got messed up. The, like everything at once just went out on the terrain. And Amy's like, I knew this would happen, but I'm glad we did it. And what was so crazy about all that, when I called to let Lizzie know that 
what the Lord laid on my heart back in May or January, and then he said, do it. She said, I've been praying all week. Her, her mom and dad have been praying all week, like, Lord, we, we need you to move. You know, like, whenever they, you total a vehicle, that's unexpected. Like, you don't go out of the way, like, today I'm just going to total my vehicle. You know, like, it's accident called an accident for a reason. And, and those unexpected expenditures are, are really handicapped people. And they were praying about it. And what's so interesting is when you take a step of faith, it, it's so often normally it answers other people's faith. Like they're praying in faith that God would move, so me taking a step of faith answered their prayer need. And then, and then the icing on the cake, it opens the door for other people to take a step of faith. Like when you step in faith, it opens doors for people to walk in faith. Because when we were out of car, Pastor Ben called and he said, hey, we have an extra car. I'm like, no, you don't. You guys have two cars. He's like, no, I do have an extra car. He's like, and you guys can use it as long as you need. He blessed my, like, I got blessed because I was a blessing, if that makes sense. And then, so as you step in faith, it opens doors for, for blessing. You get to be a blessing. You get, you get to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And then on top of that, a year later, we, we were a single car family for a year. And our, our terrain, it got a new timing chain, a new catalytic converter, a new um, exhaust manifold. It, like, um, I'm to the point where I'm about to start rolling back the odometer on it. We put so many things on this. No. Um, but a year to the week that we gave our vehicle away, the Lord opened a door. And um, Phil stepped in faith. He called me. He's like, hey, do you guys still need a car? I'm like, well, we, we don't technically need one, but we still, he's like, oh, I have a car for you. I'm like, you don't have to do that. He's like, yes, I do. The Lord told me to. I'm like, well, I can't argue with that. You know, as soon as you throw out the Lord told me to, like, well, who am I to say <laughs> you're wrong? But what I'm getting at is stepping in faith opens doors for the Lord to open doors of faith. And that's how faith works. Is you got to put action to it. And then suddenly it, it, it comes alive. It comes alive. If I would have set on that knowledge about my friend who is having health problems, I don't think the Lord would have ever prophesied over her life a son. Did that prophecy cause her to get pregnant? I don't know. But I know that it came to pass. And when the Lord told me, the doctors were saying, you probably can't get pregnant again. With all your health issues and your, your past, like it's just not going to happen. And that's what the doctors were saying. And let me tell you, they weren't lying to her. That was fact. When you get a diagnosis, the doctors are telling you the truth. <laughs> or the, they're, they're delivering facts. But here's, here's what we got to do in faith. We take facts and we compare them to God's truth. And God's truth trumps life facts every single time. Every single time. I'm diagnosed with cancer. God's my healer. Fact. Truth. We don't have enough to make it this month. Fact. God's my provider. Truth. I'm anxious, worried, and, I, and I'm depressed. That might be a fact. I'm not denying that. God is my peace. He's my ever-present help in my time of need. He will give me joy. He offers peace that the world cannot give. Truth. We always take the facts to the truth, and let's let God's word win. That's what faith does. That's, that's what believing God does. That's what the Holy Spirit works in us, faith. 
Like, it's not denying fact. It's not denying the reality of your situation. It's believing the word of God is going to triumph over the reality. God's normal is what we would call, uh, God's natural is what we would call supernatural. He constantly works supernatural things for our good. So what do I want to do today? How do I want to wrap this up? Well, I, w- I want us to just to have an honest opinion. Not, not opinion, an honest conversation with the Lord. and Say, Lord, is, are there areas of my life where I am not believing you? And maybe, maybe it's areas of my life where the Lord has already told you to do something and you have not acted. If, if that's you today and you say, Lord, I need faith to act. Give me strength to act, boldness to act. Maybe that's a, that's a prayer you need to, to pray. Maybe the Lord's given you a word of knowledge over someone and you've been sitting on it and you know you need to deliver that word of knowledge. If that's you, you need to say, Father, give me faith to act. Because until you act, your faith is dead. It's, it's, faith without action is dead. So let's pray, Lord, let there be action to my faith. Maybe the prayer is, Lord, what action step do I need to take? That's what I've been praying a lot concerning C1, concerning um, my, my, my kids, um, concerning my marriage. What action step do I need to take? I can have faith for a healthy marriage. I can have faith for, um, uh, uh, to raise my children upright. But what action step do I need to take? It's not that I'm trying to take it on myself, but there are actions, steps that God has laid before you. Like, do this and just take a step of faith. Just do it until you, until you take that step. Your faith is dead, the Bible says. You can have faith all the faith in the world that once you take the step, God will move, but he's not going to until you step. I know that sounds crazy, but take the step. There's miracles. There's healing. There's peace. There's, there's, there's joy on the other side of that step. Maybe you guys are or like me, like, God, I don't know what the step is. I don't know. I want to take the step, but what is it, Father? Maybe you just need to say, Lord, reveal to me what step I need to take and I'll do it. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the first step, you need to make is a step of faith to say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. That on the third day, God raised you back to life to give me victory over sin and that you are the son of God, that you are the atoning sacrifice for all of me. Come be Lord of my life. Maybe that's what you need to do. That's a step. That's the first step to come into right relationship with the Father. And if you're here today and you've never given your life to God, you've never given your, you've never accepted Christ as the Lord of your life, I want to pray with you. Maybe you're here today and you've walked away from God and you haven't, you haven't been living for Him and you, you're saying, God, I, I need to come back to you. That's a step. And the, and the, first, and, and the hardest step is that first step. It's the first step to to that. But let me tell you, it's worth it. To step into relationship with God, it's worth it. There's peace, there's joy, there's help, there's there's hope. He's the anchor of our souls. There, There is everything that you're looking for and everything else is found in Jesus. So let's stand. I find that it's easier to respond when we stand. Let's warm those legs up. Maybe you just need to find a place to pray. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus or give your life back to Jesus. But whatever that is, I'm going to be up here. My wife's going to be up here. We want to pray with you. Maybe you just need to worship Jesus. 
But whatever you do, don't just sit there idly by. Ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? And take that step. Maybe you need to step and go ask someone for forgiveness in this room. Say, God, forgive me. Uh, for, for, forgive me of how I treated you in the past. Maybe that, that's a step. If the Lord's laying that on your heart, maybe the Lord's laying on your heart to go pray with someone. That's a step. But that's how faith works. Step. Step. As Pastor Andy leads, let's take some steps. Maybe the step is I just need to worship I need to lift the name of Jesus up. I need to recenter my mind on who he is and remember the holy fear and the holy reverence of the Lord. I've, I've been trying to be God in my life. And I haven't been trusting that he is. He's as gentle as a kitten and he's ferocious as a thunderstorm. And I need to remember who he is. But let's step.